The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A recent crime-fighting breakthrough may have led to the arrest of a famous fugitive. And then we take a look at a theory. Can a place be haunted by more than just a ghost? Can your mere emotional residue leave something so profound it torments anyone who cares about you? Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. By the time you guys hear this episode, I'll be on vacation. I am trying so hard to record as many episodes up for you guys. So right now I'm trying to record 10 episodes in the span of 5 days, 6 days? <laughs> I am having a great day. I really am having a great day. I mean that every time I say that. But... It's it's definitely this is definitely a daunting task. Let's go ahead and give a shout out to today's supporter, Robert Paulson. Robert Paulson, thank you so much for supporting the show. He's the one who did the artwork, the Ouija board artwork that you see in regular rotation now with the Dead Rabbit logo. It's really cool. I really, really appreciate that. You are going to be our captain. You are going to be our escort. Not that kind of escort. You're going to be the person who's flying us around this episode. Let us go ahead and get started here, Robert Paulson. Let's hop in that Dead Rabbit rowboat. Let's get started nice and slow here. We're going to row lazily across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> yes, the whole thing. We're going across the Atlantic Ocean, but it gives us time to put on our SWAT gear. So like pulling up a boot and like lacing it and stuff like that. We put on these cool specs. There's like all these guns. It's like Matrix. We're just like standing there. Robert's just rowing the boat. We're like, whoa, look at this cool gun. We're shooting. We're shooting sharks. Robert's like, oh man, I wanted to shoot sharks. Ah, yeah, you're the pilot. You're the pilot. Eventually, with massive upper body strength, Robert Paulson rows us across the Atlantic Ocean. It's May 2020. We're in England. And now we're walking off the boat And there just happens to be a house, a villa right there. And there's like a dude standing there, like on the patio with a big old cigar. Oh, yes, I love being a British drug dealer. No one will ever catch me except that I say my profession out loud in public. And we're like sneaking. We hear him. We're like, that's all the evidence we need. We hear him kick down the door. Rabbit core, whatever, whatever this made of group it's called. Rabbit core. Get down, get down. And we're like arresting all these drug dealers. Now, imagine that. Happening 746 times, basically, within a two-month period. This is nuts. This is nuts. And it actually applies a lot to another interesting thing that pops up. So recently, across Europe, you had 746 arrests. Mostly drug-related. A lot of, And mi- they were mid- to high-level guys. This wasn't the guy on the corner slanging cocaine. These were high-level dudes. Mid- to upper- to the tippy-top. <laughs> That's the term they use in the drug world, right? They're like... Are you the kingpin? No, I'm the tippy top. They're like, oh man, I've only heard legends about the tippy top. What happened was, let's flash back in time to March. Now, we're the cool SWAT dudes in our gear, but we can't do our job without the help of nerds nowadays, right? You can't do anything without nerds. So back in March, 
You had these nerds going, hmm, let's see, if I move the 1 and the 5 here and times it to the triangle plus 2 squares, I have it! What they were trying to do is they were trying to hack into EncroChat, like encrypted chat. There was a company that was based out of France. I don't think they knew where it was at first, but once law enforcement found out where it was, it didn't take them long. There's a thing called EncroChat. EncroChat. And what it was is you bought a cell phone from them for about a thousand bucks. And then it was for six months, it was like an $1,800 fee for six months of service. It was a cell phone. It had the GPS, the camera, the mic all disabled, just right off the bat. It had a separate encrypted operating system put on top of it, and it had a code that you could set up that if you entered this PIN number, it would completely erase the phone and brick it. So it would be completely worthless. You could also delete messages at will. There was no way, (laughs) asterisk there, there was no way for these phones to be hacked or for any of your information to be saved. And EncroChat was selling these. They're like, it's for a legitimate business. There's people who want to have their information disappear. And that's true. There are people who want to have their information disappear. Most of them are criminals. Now, I'm not saying that if you want to have your information disappear, if you want to use NordVPN, whatever. But there's you're also going to get a lot of criminals who are like, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. So that's, that's what that ended up being a huge part of their user base. I can't say it was all because I don't know, but... So in March, some nerds figured out a way that they could, they could, the, the, the report said that they deployed a technical device. So who knows if you had like some guy dressed up as a ninja who like came in through the sewer drains one night and attached a little hacker box to it and made like a happy face and went ha 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 and cracked into the system. Or it was just they got a janitor in on the inside and his name happened to be Tech Nikal. We don't know. But, because they, they're not going to reveal it, because they'll probably do this again. In Crochat, basically, the European authorities got into it. Nikki Holland, she's the National Crime Agency, that's the UK organization. Nikki Holland, the NCA Director of Investigations, said about getting this information, it was, quote, akin to cracking the Enigma code, which is where the Allies got a device that would decipher Nazi transmissions. That's how big of a break this was. Because they were able to go after some high-level gangsters. People, they were like stopping murders and getting drugs off the streets and stuff like that. Rumors start to swirl among users and EncroChat starts getting these emails, (laughs) hopefully secured emails. They're like, hey, I bought your phone to run my drugs and it's not working and they're sending it like (laughs) via Gmail, drugdealer at gmail.com. Don't email that. I don't know where it's going to take you. They start emailing EncroChat and being like, hey, I go to do, erase my messages and they're not deleting. You said there was a, like a button I could just uh, delete messages are completely gone. EncroChat goes, oh, we'll look into that. Well, you know, 500 complaints later, EncroChat can't figure out why this isn't working. And they send out, they probably sent out an encoded text message saying, Psst, hey guys, we don't know what's going on. We're shutting down our service. And we highly suggest you you ditch your phones. But I don't, that'd be funny if they, like, as they're sending out that text, they're like, okay, shut the service down. So only half the people got it. It seems so, because what happened was you had cops just, they said, let's move. And you had cops kicking down doors all over Europe. And people would be holding their (laughs) incro chat phones. And the cops are coming out and they're hitting their pin number to deactivate it. And it wouldn't be deactivated. I, this was an interesting thing, too. One of the things said, because everyone was in lockdown, we knew where everyone was at. No one was on the run. We just went to their house. It's interesting because I know conspiracy theorists will make a lot of hay out of that. It's definitely, if you are a criminal, you don't want to be a criminal during a pandemic where you can't go on the run. 
But anyway, so they were just kicking down doors of the. They were saying like, oh, some of these places were very wealthy criminals, people who were spending their money lavishly. They said there are other people who are tippy top criminals that you wouldn't have known. They lived a much more normal lifestyle. But it didn't matter if you were doing illegal activities with these phones, then you were going to get caught. Seven hundred forty-six people arrested. That was just announced on July 2nd, 2020. What's interesting, there's two interesting things about this. First off, I want to say that a while back, John from the Scar Group, he's the one who's done artwork for the show, really, really appreciate his contributions. He sent me a story that PC World covered in 2004 that for a long time, it was unveiled in 2004, but printers have a secret code that's on every single document you create. Every single thing you print out, Prints out a little code using these little tiny yellow dots. And you can't see them unless you have a microscope. Maybe not a microscope, but you generally, I think you need a blue light and maybe a microscope. But you, you can't, they're not, a, they're not visible to the naked eye. It's a serial number. It'll tell the cops when, when the document was printed and the serial number of the printer and the make and model. I don't know if it's the make and model. It's not like HP DeskJet 101. Like, but it gives the feds enough information. So if you write a manifesto, they're, they can track it back to you. And once this report came out in PC World, you had a bunch of groups trying to hack it, trying to, trying to expose it and, and create software program for whistleblowers, basically, if people wanted to print out documents from the military base exposing, you know, abuse issues or from a company exposing pollution issues, they said, let's build this software to break that. They did it for a short period of time. Apparently, they had a software that you could download a driver that would kind of upend that. And again, that's something like, yes, that would appeal to whistleblowers and people, (laughs) and people writing manifestos. Like, but anyway, so... Your printer spies on you. You're, you. We know your phone spies on you, right? <laughs> Regardless of whether or not you, you're paying $1,600 for every six months, your phone's spying on you anyways, right? And it's funny because, let me wrap this 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 first part up like this. I deal a lot with other podcasters now. And I'm when I'm on Reddit, that's probably the board you'll see me on the most, is the podcasting board. And every week, someone says... I want to remain anonymous doing my podcast. And every week I put the exact same thing. You will never remain anonymous doing a podcast. Absolutely not. I have looked into... I'm not anonymous, obviously. And part of the reason was that was like, they're going to find out who I am anyways, right? That's just the way it goes. So it's better for me to use my real name so I can state real things I believe in than if I was using a fake name. If I was Wild Larry and I started saying stuff that Wild Larry says and had a character and then eventually I get doxxed and they're like, Wild Larry, do you actually believe that, you know, the earth is flat or or that Lady Gaga's a murderer? And I'd be like, uh, little, little, little yes, a little no. But yeah, so you're going to get doxxed anyways. You will get doxxed. You will 100% get doxxed. If someone wants to find out about you, they will. It's definitely easier for the government to do it, but you will get doxxed. So, and just stories like these guys went through extreme lengths. They bought a phone. I guess that's not extreme. <laughs> they just bought a phone. But they bought a phone and they thought they were being secure. And they're like, yeah, I'll give you the drugs tonight as long as you murder those five politicians. And they're like, yeah, I'll never be caught. And they look up in a clock and it says... March 2020. What? What does that mean anything? Why do clocks have calendar dates on them? Also, I wanted to say this. This was exposed on July 20th, July 2nd, 2020. I bet you anything this is how they caught Ghislaine Maxwell. That's Jeffrey Epstein's alleged second-in-command. His ex-girlfriend who was helping allegedly procure girls. I bet you this is how they caught her. 
I bet you anything. Because they announced this the day after she got nabbed. I bet you anything. That's how they tracked her. Because they haven't revealed how they knew she was in New Hampshire yet. I bet you they caught her on one of those in crypto, in crypto chat or whatever it's called. The, the now defunct business in crow chat. Allegedly defunct. They might still be around. But they have they definitely have some PR they need to do. I bet you that's how they caught her. I bet you that's how they caught her. Was using one of those phones. Robert Paulson. Let's hop in that carpenter copter. We are headed out to any town USA. Robert's like, yay, we go to his hometown. He's like, he's like driving us around in his own car. He's like, that's the place I was born. And that was my first job. It was at the place where I was born. I got a job at the hospital. We're like, when I said any town, Robert, I mean a generic town. Now, this is an interesting story. And I'm not, I, I, I came across this story. Normally, I, I put stuff in my show notes. I'm not going to link any information to this story because it's a very personal story. Didn't happen to me. This person put this story out into the public sphere. So I feel comfortable talking about it from that level. I actually talked to Sabine and I go, should I cover this story? And she goes, absolutely. This is an important story. When I said, should I cover it? It wasn't, do I think it's good enough? I think it's super compelling. I've read this account multiple times, but it's it's personal and it's a little tragic. So Robert, let's leave behind your hometown. We're hopping back in that carpenter copter. We're headed to any town USA. I'm going to give these people fake names. If it happens to be their real names, it's absolutely happenstance. Absolutely happenstance. It's July, 2020. Helicopters flying over. There's a man walking through the mall. He's just shopping. He doesn't like come here often. Let's call him, let's call him Marcus. Again, if that's his real name, this is a total, total shot in the dark. Marcus is walking around the mall. He's a husband, he's a father, and he goes, I'm shopping at this department store in this mall. I got this list. Who has a shopping list when they go to the mall? Crumbles the list up, throws it away. I'm walking through the mall, and it's just a day as normal. But there's a staircase that leads up to the next story of the mall, the next floor of the mall. It's the easiest way to get up there. I mean, he could go to the elevator, but that always takes too much time, and it's farther away. He goes, he starts to walk up the staircase, gets a couple steps up, turns around, walks through the department store, gets on the elevator, goes up to the second floor. This staircase, Marcus has a visceral reaction to being near the staircase. It took him a couple times to figure it out, because it was just the easiest way up. He would take the staircase, he'd go to the landing, he'd turn the stairs, he'd go up. But... After a while, he'd go up the staircase, he'd get to the landing, and he would feel his stomach just tighten. He felt sick. He would just walk up the next flight of stairs, get to the floor where he was supposed to be. Now, this had been going on for years. He'd get to the staircase, he'd go up to the landing. He would hate being there. He'd walk past as quickly as he could. He couldn't stand it. To the point where he doesn't even want to go to that area. He doesn't want to be anywhere near the stairs. Because he knows that that land... For whatever reason, that landing gnaws at him. He can go anywhere else in the store. Unless someone died. Unless there was a burial ground right underneath that platform. There's a hundred ghosts reaching up and grabbing him. He couldn't figure out why he hated this place so much. So he just eventually just started avoiding it altogether. First couple times, he realized he was having a really, almost an allergic reaction to the location. And then eventually he just started going out of his way 
taking the long way, using the elevator, what have you. And he's sitting there one day, and his adult daughter will call her Kitty. Again, totally just pulling that out, out, of, out of the air. Kitty walks in, talking to the dad, and having a, just a talk. Just a normal talk, nothing important. She tells him about a book she's reading called The Architecture of Happiness. And he's sitting there, just eating an apple. They're having a conversation. And she goes, yeah, it's a really interesting book. The book is about how buildings can be built to evoke emotions in us. Like, you can have a building that when you see it, it's actually, it's not just a beautiful building, but it fills you with joy. You feel joy when you're around it. The buildings can actually create emotions in us. And this book, actually, it, when the, the guy wrote it, he got like an honorary degree as an architect. The world of the architecture will never be the same. I mean, it was pretty boring to begin with, but they're like, yay, here's someone who's who's really talking about how the world of architecture has a impact on people. So architecture, the idea is that architecture can evoke these emotions in us. I think a Catholic cathedral, obviously, is like the go-to example, but that's not just, the book isn't just focused on religious icons, but just houses and buildings and things like that. So Kitty's telling Marcus this story talking about the book and at a certain point she realized that he's no longer taking a bite of his apple and pretending to listen she realized that he's been quiet he's been very quiet for a bit and he goes you know you want to know something weird you know that department store we end up going to all the time that staircase that that landing where the staircase turns i hate it I I totally get where that book's coming from because I hate that staircase. Like, it makes me sick to my stomach. And he tells her that he'll do anything to avoid going there. He went there for a while and eventually realized that he was having some sort of reaction to it and ended up trying to find another way to the second floor. In 2006, this daughter of Marcus was in the mall. And she was walking up the steps. She was going to the second floor of the department store. And somebody somebody molested her on the landing of that staircase in the department store. He groped her. She never told anyone in her family, ever. Never revealed that information. In college, she told one or two friends. But she never told anyone especially her father, about what happened. It's an interesting story because the author came forward and was asking about this, what, what could have caused this incident. I don't know the person personally, but this person, this, this young woman was asking, what could have caused this? What could have caused this? And, and my response, I, I reached out to her and I said, you don't need to have a ghost for a place to be haunted. And we've talked about that before on this show, but I always think it's good. I mean, this is an amazing story. The love of a parent towards their child. Like, the the amount of psychic energy she must have expended in that moment where that disgusting man did that. I mean, it, it would be the equivalent of getting stabbed and leaving blood and your parents seeing the blood of their child. This was raw psychic energy, right? Because of this sicko, this wound that he gave a child. The love of a parent, right? To be able to sense that across time. 
to just not see it, but sense it, to know that something horrible happened there. You wouldn't be able to put your finger on it because you would think, you wouldn't even think that, right? You wouldn't even think that. You wouldn't want to think that that happened to your child. So you wouldn't put two and two. You wouldn't be walking up the stairs and be going like, oh. You would just have a visceral reaction to that. The amount of psychic energy that must have been expended in that place was so overflowing that her father could sense it years later. To this day, will not use that staircase. She says that, you know, she has a hard time dealing with this still. She describes this event as extremely traumatic. And that wouldn't make sense. She probably left a piece of herself on that staircase, right? And so it's hard to, it's hard to heal when a chunk of you is missing. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. But it's harder. It's not impossible. If, you, if you've dealt with something like this, it's never impossible. It's just you have to, there's more stuff you have to work through, right? But... The love of a parent for their child is astounding. We've talked about this on the show. And I I understand there are bad parents out there and not everyone has great relationships with their parents. But it should be astounding. It It should shock us in a good way, the love that a parent has for a child. But you don't need, and this is what I mean, you don't need a ghost. A lot of times when I'll talk about ghosts or a place being haunted or something, it's been a long time since I've actually done an on-the-site ghost hunt. I've never done it on the show. I used to do it personally for, for a long time. And I mentioned on the show, like, I can walk into a house and tell you how your marriage is doing. I can walk in your house and I can sense that. And it's funny because as skeptical as I am, I'm not blind. There's stuff that I've seen and stuff that I've experienced that I believe in. There's stuff that I haven't seen or experienced that I surmise is real. But I can walk in your house and tell you how your marriage is doing. Because you expend emotional energy fighting with each other. Or one person fighting the other. Or even if it's a silent fight, that energy. I can walk in and and, uh, know something is wrong. If you tested me in a lab, could I pass the test? No, probably not. Could I be fooled? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I think people, I think most people can do that. I mean, we call it a funny feeling or it's, I, don't, I don't feel good. I don't know what it is, but I don't like being over at their house. A place can be haunted without someone dying. Someone can simply be emotionally wounded on that level. Where that happened in 2006 and 2020 when this person is relating this story. They're still dealing with the trauma. That's a deep-seated trauma. That's 14 years of trauma. The amount of emotional energy that must have exploded out of that young girl's soul is if it, it's going to echo through time. So the father would sense it. And honestly, I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest with you. It's very beautiful that the parent could pick up on that. To this time of this recording, as far as I know, she has not told her father about this. It would be interesting if other people are picking this up as well, walking up that staircase. Other empaths, other survivors of trauma, walking up the stairs. I don't really like that staircase. Take the take the elevator. I'm sure. I'm sure that there are emotional landmines throughout the world like that. People just kind of avoid those areas. Some people. Some people. They won't pick up on it. They're they're too busy. They're thinking about other things. They're not picking up at the subtle hints. And then you have people who are deep empaths. 
and people who have survived similar situations. Ugh. Just keep on moving. Get through the area as soon as possible. I'm sure there's a lot of situations like this. If she had never told her dad she was reading this book, it would not never come up in normal conversation. Hopefully she can use this incident of her father saying how horrible that feels her. Maybe she can use this, you know, to talk to her father about it because he doesn't know that it happened. Maybe she can use this to try to reclaim some of that soul destruction that happened. Because it can always be repaired. It can always be repaired. Maybe she can use this as a moment to, to heal. It's an interesting story on, on many, many levels. On a personal level. On a psychological level. And then on the level of the paranormal or the supernatural. It should be a reminder of, one... Just because a place is haunted doesn't necessarily mean that somebody died there. That not all ghosts are manifestations of someone's soul. It could be an outburst of emotional energy. But two, it should be a reminder that while none of us are doing anything as disgusting as this dude, right? None of us are as gross as this this piece of filth, right? Our actions can still have consequences. We can still leave these emotional landmines ourselves, or we can cause other people to have them as well. You don't have to do something as disgusting as this guy to leave a scar on somebody else's soul. I think we all know that, because other people have done things that are fairly minor to us that we remember to this day. So just think about that the next time you're about to do something. Do It's going to sound trite, but we don't know how weak or broken another person's soul already is. So when you lash out in anger, not this guy, I can talk about this guy all I want, right? I want an email saying that, Jason, you told us not to lash out in anger. This guy, this guy deserves my anger. But going back, you know what I mean, right? You know what I mean. A lot of time, I, I also have to, I could, I could be the best troll in the world. I could be Trolly McTrollston, King of Troll Town, on Planet Troll, in the Troll Galaxy. It's actually, like, I have to stop myself from being a troll a lot. So let's, let's take this story, this absolutely tragic story, and we can microcosm it and see how we can go about living our lives in a way that maybe we're not trying to affect people negatively on purpose. Maybe we take a step back, because we know how sensitive we can be, all of us. Let's recalibrate. Let's recalibrate. Let's be a... Let's try to be a little nicer, right? Because the last thing the world needs is more emotional landmines out there. But then again, I do kind of talk trash about a lot of people on this show, so... Let's try to be better, though. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.
The delicious ice-cold taste of Dr. Pepper has a lasting effect on people. Lindsay from Sacramento said, Pro tip, 40 degrees is the perfect temperature for an ice-cold Dr. Pepper. Why is 40 degrees the perfect temperature for Dr. Pepper? We brought in Sue from Duluth, Minnesota to tell us. Oh yeah, I know a thing or two about cold. Oh, that right there is the perfect kind of ice cold for Dr. Pepper. Mm, I'd share that with my friend Nancy. She likes Dr. Pepper, too, you know. My cold All right, that'll be all, Sue. Having a perfect temperature for your Dr. Pepper, it's a Pepper thing. Inspired by real fan posts. Girl, have you heard about what's happening on June 20th? Tell me, I want to know. Well, we want our sisters to live longer. And June 20th is when women of color can come get a free health screening mammogram exam. Talk to a doctor and you can bring young ladies 13 to 17 too. So it's a free doctor's appointment? Girl, yes, and it's going to be a blast. Women of Columbus, join us Thursday, June 20th, 2 to 7 p.m. at St. Charles Prep for a chance to change your life. Welcome you by the African American Male Wellness Agency and Uplifter. Sponsored by National Center for Urban Solutions. Abbott, Genta, NBC4, CareSource, Franklin County Board of Commissioners, CMHA, Lifeline of Ohio, Exact Sciences, ADAMH, Victoria's Secrets, and MPCH.